Hello, and welcome back to my podcast, Behind the Music Business with me, Danny Champion. My little independent podcast where I talk with people in various areas of the music business about their job, about why they have that job, about what they do in that job, about what they like about it, what's good about it, what's hard about it, and everything in between. This week's episode is another in-depth look into the live music industry with booking agent for Empire Agency, Rob McGee. Now, I met Rob for the first time earlier this year through various mutual friends in Bristol, and we have got together on numerous occasions, and he's been a really great fountain of knowledge about the live industry, an area of the industry that I personally have the least direct interaction with. So we talked about all things live music, specifically to do with being a booking agent. We talked about him setting up as an independent booking agent about eight years ago and how ridiculously difficult it was, but how the fact that he stuck at it and earlier this year became part of the Empire Agency, an LA-based booking agency. So now he's doing a lot more in a lot in many, many different and new areas with a much larger roster. This episode was recorded over two sessions at either end of the summer months in 2019, and it's been pieced together from those two conversations in the, well, now defunct Bristol venue, High Brazil. Yeah, so enjoy this conversation with Rob McGee, And as always, I will be back at the end for some more chat. You mentioned Calm Before the Storm. How's festival season been treating you? Good, easy. Festival season's fine. Festival season's fine? Is it always fine? Not always fine. There's there's always some hiccups here and there. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah, it's just... It's a busy time. It's a lot of... You know, a lot of advancing comes through. It's a lot of bands to kind of prep and get ready. Uh Um, But it's exciting, you know. I get to go to loads of them as well. So have you... I'm guessing you've kind of sorted them all out. Yeah, they're all done. I mean, well, we've, well we've, we've started, yeah, we've started booking um, for like early festival season 2020 now. That's kind of where our eyes are aiming as, as festivals start closing down for, you know, this summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we start looking towards 2020, who we can bring forward. Um, Have all of your acts been doing the rounds this summer? Uh, not all of them. Some are in the studio recording albums for next year. I mean, everyone's at kind of different levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, some, yeah some are writing, some are out touring. Um, some are in and out of Europe. We've got we've just announced um, one artist for a festival in Barcelona later this month. So there's still like there's still little bits, bits of tri- trickling in, in now. Um, but our focus will be for you know any of those early festivals for January, February, March, April. At the moment. So is that the kind of the latest things happen? And is that due to a like a festival has a drop a lot very very last minute dropout and they're looking for someone to replace? No, they or? just had some slots open. Um, one yeah. of them one of them we had booked. Uh, a couple of months back, but they've only just announced now. It's a, it's a kind of a free entry festival on a beach, so they don't need to 
um, worry too much on that announcement. They have that dedicated fan base that come. They know it's happening. It's already been advertised, but the lineup's just been announced now. Right. Um, the other one, uh, one of our artists has been invited out as a guest. Um, so we're lining up some shows around it, around the festival, as well as the performance there as well. Okay. Should be good. Is it the most fun bit of being a... Um no, I, I hate the festival season and bookings because all an artist want is to play a festival. It's a lot of pressure to book. And there's so many artists that, I mean, there's, there's so many artists in the world that want to come and play festivals in the UK and Europe. Um, so it's quite, it's quite a difficult game getting in there, especially with younger emerging acts, to kind of put them on the forefront and be like, you know, book these guys they're really good listen mm -hmm. you've already said you love the music and you love the show and so it's, it's a lot of work festival season for very little reward you know on the agent side you know there's, right. there's not there's not huge amounts of money that we're talking about here and it doesn't have to boil down to that side but it, you know it's a business everyone has to look at that side so it's so I've, I've talked to a couple of people who run festivals yeah so it's good to kind of get the other side of the coin they haven't got an easy job either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've well, already been hounded by some of the you know, major agents out there and the independent agent, agents and the ones in the middle. And on top of that, they've already got an idea of who they want to book. So it's, it's not an easy feat for them either. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 just, it's, it's a difficult time leading up to those. So I love festival season in the sense of like going to the festivals, seeing your artists on these amazing stages yep. and seeing you know, them you know, play in front of hundreds, thousands of people. And... And, and that feedback you hear from everyone those new fans you pick up but prepping towards festival season is I, I don't enjoy I enjoy you know booking the tours and the tour supports and the right. one off shows and you know root, rooting the tours themselves and are you are you like haggling for the fees side of things and that sort of stuff or is it very much just haggling begging you know just like <laughs> no uh, yeah no it's it's kind it's of always, what, what it's always, it's always, role, it's always it? part of the process it's you know it's it's a lot easier getting the offers in from festivals instead of just pitching to the bookers consistently and giving them mm -hmm. updates and obviously they need to know what's happening um, but you know when the offers come in a lot of the time the festival offers I find are really fair and it's a matter of just kind of bringing that having a chat with the management having a chat with the artist directly and being like look this is your first time here um, you're at early stages and it's just meeting that middle ground we don't we're not asking for anything ridiculous for an emerging band but we also don't want them going over for you know pennies it's got to, no, no, it's no. got to be that yeah, middle ground but where everyone's kind of happy you you've mentioned the guys who run festivals that i've mentioned said that there's comp there's hell of a lot more competition oh, yeah. now there's a lot more stuff there's also i won't go in and do a price war i won't you know I yeah, mean, yeah that that's the thing it's 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 always comes down to my clients and what's right for them mm -hmm. um Honestly, I don't care about anyone else, whatever, what anyone else is getting. If, if, the, if the offer is right and my, my artist and my team can make it work, then we'll move forward with that. We're not going to ask for anything ridiculous. We're not going to ask for anything under what we think they should be paid either. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is just that middle ground. And what about kind of how many festivals a band plays? Because obviously there's, it's not just about banging them on as many shows yeah. as possible. There's got to be some We're kind of oversaturated, I feel, somewhere. in the UK. I mean, some would say, I, I, I think we're oversaturated here in the UK. Others would look at it and maybe go, we're just spoiled for choice. Mm -hmm. But there's only, you know, there's only so many festivals a band can play doing that. Precisely. But so if, you know, for a, a, an up and coming band who maybe have just released their first album or are just about to release their first album. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, 
noise being made about them. Yeah. They've got they've had some radio play and things like that. Is there kind of are you looking for just one key on one of the big boys? Or are you looking for kind of two or three appearances? I, mean, I think for the early stages, as many as you as many as you can get that makes sense. If you, I mean one of our acts is going all the way up to Tenement Festival in Scotland. That's a long way to go for a band from London to Where's Tenement. Uh, Glasgow, I want to say, off the top of my head, I think it's Glasgow. But it's not kind of proper, proper up into Aberdeen. No, no, but it's like still, that. it's you know, it's a long track for a young band to make for a one-off show, you know, where it's, it, it, it's, it's a long journey to make. So we, when we have something like that, we just need to make sure we can plan around that and go, right, well, we'll get some shows in around there. Mm -hmm. um, top of my head, I think we, we've got them going off to, they're going to do Belf uh, Dublin, Belfast, and go on over to Scotland from there. So it's making that trip worthwhile and getting them to the new territories. It's like, we have that. That's where the flag is. Let's build around this. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's other festivals or it's club shows or it's a support slot, it's just getting the most out of it. Because as well as as much as it's great to go play a festival, yep. it, it you know we need to make sure they're not kind of pissing money out of their pockets as well. They have. To I guess that's the other thing is how much like this positive traction do mm. you see from from the agency perspective from festival slots? So at time of recording. It's literally just been Glastonbury. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of new acts will have played Glastonbury. I mean, it, it's yeah, massive it's, as well. It's great. I, I, don't, I don't think playing any festival is a make or break moment for a band. Mm -hmm. um, not on the early stage. I mean, you know, like Glastonbury's great. We've, we've, we've had a, um, a, handful, a handful of bands play there. Um, but it doesn't mean that they're shot to stardom. There's no. still a lot of work to do there. I mean, mm -hmm. you get put in front of a lot of people, but a lot of those people are also seeing, you know, loads of other bands, maybe yeah. hundreds. You know, they're only seeing like two, three songs and running on to the next one. Um, so it's good to do. I think something like Glastonbury is almost one of those kind of, it's a, it's a walk of life. Like bands want to play that anywhere because it's Glastonbury Festival. Not because they might get to go on TV or they might get to meet, you know, the Evis family or anything like that. But because it's Glastonbury Festival, and mm -hmm. they, our American artists are always like, we want to, we've, we've got to play Glastonbury. That's where we want to go. And it's, it's not because they know they're going to play it. Because boom, that's it. They've made it. They're, they're huge now. It's. They just kind of want to take it off. It's the name. They want to take yeah, it yeah. off and and almost add that to the CV and go. We've done Glastonbury and, but in no way means does does playing a fe any festival, not just Glastonbury. Um, doesn't mean that you're shot to stardom. Mm. Um, I've seen lots of acts do it, and I kind of feel like they think, oh, "That's it, we've done it, we've made it." But the, it's so much work to do afterwards, and the build up to it. You've got to, if you're doing something like that, you have to make the most of it and 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 build it up, and you know, make sure that this time next year you're you're going one step further. You're yeah, not just yeah. stuck on that middle ground where you're doing the same thing all the time. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, you just you get stuck in a rut. Was the music industry always somewhere that you thought you'd end up? Yep. From when? From what age? I had my first guitar when I was like maybe eight, seven um, or eight. Were you in bands? I was and in all bands. That sort of stuff. So talk to me about did, how this bands, all started. I did bands, I put on events, um, I did some engineer work, uh, I did what I thought was tour management work, but as I grew up, I realised it was not what I was doing um, at all. Um, so I did that and I kind of gave up playing in bands. What sort of bands were you in? Pop punk and punk. Always love a bit of pop punk. Loved it. Uh, had Trying a, to be Blink-182. 
uh, trying to be Green Day. Okay. I had the uh, I had the black shirt, the white tie, the eyeliner. Oh, nice. Dyed my hair and had the spikes, and yeah, it was I looked uh, state, but I didn't like playing in front of uh, anyone. I hated it. I hated being on stage. So then I kind of saw the promoter role, I saw the engineer role, and I was trying okay. to get as much as that. And then I wanted to get a, a wider perspective on the the business side of it, the industry side. So I went and studied music business in Canterbury University mm-hmm. for three three or four years. Um, and then and from that there, was just in general. You kind of went, I've been in bands, I've done a bit of promoting, yeah. let's see what else is going on. With no real kind of hint of, of where you're going, it was just no, let's see what know. else it, there it, is. No, I didn't know. I was like, I wasn't really like, oh, I want to be an agent, I want to book yeah. gigs. Um, then I did that. And then it just kind of fell into me. I tried, I was trying to, um, get a job within a major agency I think for about my third year at university and then two years after and I was working these really crappy jobs I was a car salesman for Vauxhall at one point nice. and then I worked for Apple for Other a year cars are available. and yeah and <laughs> I worked for Apple for a year in one of the shops mm. and I was like you know backwards and forwards I was going to gigs I was trying to put on my own nights and trying to get a job in the industry and find something but you know the degree wasn't really helping and I had all these contacts and then just one day I was just like, right, I'm going to start my own agency. I've, I, know, I already know the five bands that I want to work with to start. Okay. I've been to their shows. I really love their music. I've got enough contacts. I've been around the UK enough to see different venues and who I can start bringing this to. So I thought, yeah, I, I got some advice off, off people that I knew that already worked at agencies or mm-hmm. you know, had their own independent ones. Was it always live music? Like, but at that point, you weren't yeah. going, I've got enough contacts, I know a few bands I'd like to work with, I'll start a label. No, 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 no. I know nothing. Like, I don't know enough. I still don't know enough about labels. And like, I can see how hard <laughs> Or manage them or, through, or no, anything like that. No, management. Right. <laughs> I have the, the utmost respect for people in the industry is it, our managers <laughs> in my books because they did, like, it's, there's um, one that I work with called Kat from Big Life Management. And... I see the work, she works with a lot of, you know, she manages some incredible acts, but the, the, but the young ones that she has that don't have an agent, don't have a PR team, only have a man, she's doing everything. Mm-hmm. She's doing their PR, she's doing their bookings, she's managing them, she's managing their expectations, and you know, like putting their release plans together, sorting out their release schedule, trying to find a label, trying to find a PR team, trying to find an agent, mm-hmm. all of this stuff while going to every single one of their shows and linking them up with people, setting up, you know, meets with them. That's a nightmare. That's one band out of her entire roster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So imagine if you're looking after six emerging acts, or seven, or that's way too much, Mm -hmm. can't do it. Rich Walsh is another one who who manages Pet Shimmers. I think he actually manages about three or four other acts as well. All emerging breaking bands. He's trying to set them up with agents, manage their expectations, set yeah. up their release plans like it, it, that's that's huge and then I just look at myself and I'm like I'm stressed I'm just booking their shows what, what am I stressed about <laughs> so yeah I'd, I'd never wanted to be a manager ever it's too much so your business was Electric Harmony yeah how'd you come up with the name um <laughs> Uh, there's not, uh, there's no interesting story behind that. Yeah, but this is, it's, it's like uh, yeah. I mean, I came up with it. It was a name generator. 
with uh, okay. uh, with an ex-partner and I remember we were sat in our flat and I was just I, I couldn't think of anything to I was going through all the agency names and all that they were great and I don't really want to call this Robbie McGee's or but that's know, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask this question McGee agent I didn't want my name anywhere because it's not uh -huh. about me it was just like you know I was just here to do a job yeah um, so I did I did a name generator and I actually remember it was one of those roulette ones where there was two different words spinning <laughs> And harmony came, and I was like, I like harmony. That's like, that's good. And then, you know, we, myself and my partner at the time, we were like, yeah, that sounds good. Keep harmony. That sounds really good. And then we just went spinning, spinning. Electric came up, and it kind of went from there. Um, I think I actually started off with like electric harmony sound systems. Right. Um, I was trying to it's do a, a number of, of different things. That, yeah, at the time, and then it eventually became electric harmony. Around the same sort of time as the dating agency eHarmony, which was fantastic. Nice. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> really great timing. Well, no, because I was just, I was suddenly thinking about this earlier that naming things, whether it's a band or a business, it's kind of the first thing that you have to do. You know, you, you had, at the time, you'd chosen, right, I'm going to go into business for myself mm. and do this. And then you've got to set up a business. And I'm guessing you'd never done it before. No. And so... I had no clue what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that used was a name generator to make the business name. I mean, How many bands do you reckon do that? <laughs> I don't think a As lot. Well. I think that I think, uh, artists give them credit. There's, I mean, unless you've got ridiculous ones. I'm not going to mention those. <laughs> I was about to do that. I'm not going to do it. But no, I mean, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people actually use name generators. Mm -hmm. I think bands are quite clever with when they're coming up with their names. And a lot but of the time hard. there's meaning there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then, so from, from that, from the, the setting up of a business, you said you had no idea. What was all the stuff that you had to look, you had to kind of figure out on the fly in that first year? You know, the horrible stuff like VAT and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, at the time I was registered self-employed, so VAT didn't really come into it, which was good. Uh, the main thing was how to make money mm -hmm. um, on my own and how to do it quickly. Because yeah. obviously at that time there was bills, there was rent. And I think at the time, the first year of doing it, I mean, the first two years of doing it, I had other jobs on the side. And um, I actually gave birth to Electric Harmony in Kent. So when I was living there, I had a bar job. Um, and then when I moved to when I moved back to Bristol, mm -hmm. I was working at Apple um, in the store in Cabot Circus. And then I think it was like year two once I started to build build everything up a bit, and I, there, I was starting to see a, a tiny bit of money coming mm -hmm. through. That was when I was like, "Well, I'm going to go full time." But at the time, it was really I didn't. I was like, "Well, I'm not going to earn enough to pay any taxes here. This is I'm joining the music industry as a self-employed booking agent." Um, so I just need to figure out how to make money and mm -hmm. how I can make this a full-time job. So they were the main things at the time. And, you know, do I need business cards? What do agents have? Is it roster cards? I need a website. That was a, that was a big area. How long did all of that sort of stuff take to fall into place? A long time, because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I've never made a website before. And I think the first initial um, electric company website was awful. I mean, it was like a word art you know, nice. rubbish on, 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 on the website. Yes, there wasn't any Squarespace or Wix no, or anything no, like that. No, not then, not like eight, nine years ago. No. I, don't, I don't think anyway. Um, so I, there was all of that and I needed to make sure the imagery was right before I started approaching um, how did you How did you get on with the branding side of things? Um, I was quite lucky at the time, I just, I'd just come out of university, so I knew a lot of people that were working in design um, that did were at courses at uni that were friends and I kind of went to them. Um, I think in, in total, 
Electric Harmony went through maybe eight or twelve different designs, logo designs, until like I ended up with the final one. I was like, I'm happy with this. Is that it's stuff great. important in this uh, world? For me, it was. Yeah. For me, Why? it was really. I mean, all the other agencies have these great slick logos and names and. You know, if I was going to present myself as well as my clients at the time, I wanted to come across in the right way. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't just want two letters or a name. I wanted it to be the right font, the right colours, and you know, to, to feel right. What did you want to come across as in those day, those days? Well, obviously professional, but you know, things like can you? Did you have like a mission statement that sort of thing back then, when you first started up? The kind of thing of kind of going right. I'm building a roster. So I need to come across in a certain way. I did. I did have a mission statement. I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Make money. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, I, I got in. I, I got into the agency world. The same reason why I'm in it now is to, was to give up and coming artists the chance um, of being represented mm -hmm. by by an agent um, and 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 to be looked after and help help their growth. That was the, that was the, that was the first reason why I never wanted to kind of come on board and take these huge names and be like, "Cool, I'm booking for this and this and that." Yeah. And, you know, look at my life. This is really great. Mm -hmm. I like working from the ground up and building these acts. You know, from day dot, and then following through their career and, and moving forwards with them. That's what I wanted to do at the beginning was find these bands that wanted to be, take that serious step from just being, you know. Um, uh, a pub band or yeah, yeah. or a, a small time not, not being able to get out of their own city to kind of right we want to go on a regional tour we want to look at tour supports we want to look at festivals and I wanted to kind of be the key to that and come in and be like right okay well then let's build this so beyond saying that mm. to bands to managers to whomever how did you get that across Outside. Well, as in, you know, via your branding, via the the mission statements things. How did you kind of get those values across? Being incredibly in those, enthusiastic, in sat down there, days. and always. I mean, essentially, I was always begging people to give me a chance. I had to be. I had to be. So it was very I, much. It yeah. was all about impact being yeah, in I had, person. I had to be realistic at the time. I had no name. No one knew my company name. I had no history mm -hmm. um, apart from doing a music course at university. So I had to sit there and be realistic with with every band. I couldn't I couldn't approach these major management companies and be like, "Hey guys, like give me a, give me one of your acts and I'll show you what I can do." Because that's stupid. Mm -hmm. So I had to you know find good bands that maybe didn't have any representation and, and start with them and be honest with them, being like, "Hey, you're going to be my first band, or you're going to be my you're one of the first ten. Um, so you were selling yourself to the bands essentially yeah and can you remember any of those conversations no back in the day did, I mean, did you get any bands kind of looking at you a bit what's this guy no I think a lot of bands I think a lot of the bands were just at the time were like this is brilliant we, did, we hate booking our own shows this is a lot of hard work can you do this for us please right. so we can just do what we do uh, um, I, I came across a lot like that and it was you know it was hard I mean just by me taking over it didn't make it any easier but mm -hmm. I could dedicate my time to go around to the promoters and the venues and bookers and find, you know, link them up to the right people, see who was going out playing, see what venues they would be suited to. Um, and also work out kind of, okay, well, you need to be paid. How, what's going to be best for you? We can't go in there and ask for 800, 1,000 plus pounds. That doesn't make sense because no one knows who you are. Mm -hmm. But let's try and get your travel covered. Let's try and get some, you know, a decent rider in there for you so your food and your drinks yeah, yeah. are covered. And, and then build up from there. On the flip side of that, in those early days, starting out as an independent without a name how did you find it reaching out to the other side of the fence the venues the promoters people who needed to get to know you but didn't how long did it take to build that 
network up to build up the kind of the trust, I guess? A long time, and I think a lot of people found me really irritating on the early day. I mean, I, I think I've still got, I'm pretty sure if I, if, I, if I look, I can find emails from people that I work, work with today, back eight to 10 years ago, that actually told me how irritating I was. Like, you know, I was doing contracts and invoices for bands that were tiny. Mm-hmm. and no one knew who they were and everyone was like it's a waste of time and I was like but they're, they're, they're a product they're a band they're people they need to be represented in that way if you want them to play your venue and you want them to take it seriously yeah. and we know that you're taking this seriously so here is the con- you know sign it okay. um, here is the invoice for the money. so do you reckon and that, and that, that you know that, that was difficult that was because no one knew who, who I was and no one knew who the bands were and I really had to work towards that and, but on a level where I didn't put them off like yeah. return business. Do there. you reckon other people in the position that you were in wouldn't have done things as professionally? They would have gone, okay, we're everybody, we're, I'm new to this, the bands are new to this, no one's really expecting a bunch of contracts and invoices and things like that. It's all a little bit cash in hand, it's all a little yeah. bit, yeah, handshake agreements. And you finally felt that's not the way forward, or I think it, it depends on the person. I mean, I'm, I, I like to think that I'm quite professional, mm-hmm. and that's how I wanted to move going forward. And I felt like the bands at the time, and even now that I represent, would want a professional front, From yeah. whether it's their agent, label, or your manager. It's very easy to rock up and like shake hands and go, "Here's your cash," and thanks, that was great. And mm-hmm. after playing, a, you know, a, a very small amount of people, but I think if if you have that level of professionalism it, it gives everyone that you know the artist and the promoter and the venue that you know this is going to be a good show they're being looked after mm-hmm. we're being looked after um, and the, these things aren't just there for the band it is there for the venue and the promoter as well to make sure that everything's covered yeah so that thing um, that you yeah. said is or was irritating was probably actually yeah quite a good thing I get it I mean I, I irritate myself I just <laughs> I want I just want to make sure that everything is done in the right way and everyone is looked up I'm you know I'm not. I'm not. Ma- I wasn't making millions then. I'm not making millions now. I just. Mm-hmm. I want. I, I'm just always going to be in that position. No matter who I, who I'm looking after and who my clients are, they they are looked after at the highest possible level. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same level as as your greats are and the, and the big acts are. Any musician should be treated on the same level, mm-hmm. no matter how many tickets they're worth or how many sales they are. Because one day that band could, Idols, prime example, eight eight. Eight, seven, seven, eight years ago, no one gave them the time of day. Now look at them. You know, yeah, yeah. That, that, that changes, that, that's a, it's a short mm-hmm. amount of time. Does it matter where you're based? Do you reckon as a as a provider? Because you obviously you just mentioned I mean, that you're uh, travelling yeah, around. Yeah, at, at, at the moment, I mean, I'm in I'm in London maybe th- three times a week, um, which is fine. But that's because I can do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it would I, I I guess it would be good. It would be easier and less stressful for me to be based there. But it's an expensive city to live in. And yep. I don't want to be back to how I was at the very beginning, where I am like just holding my shit together. I'm in I'm in a comfortable position now. I can travel in three days a week mm-hmm. with a great company. Um, you know, and, and they're they're really supportive as well. They get me where I need to be. So it's yeah. I mean, you don't have to be. I'd say you don't want to be stuck in like a little village somewhere or like completely cut off. You need being in a city with a live music scene is is massively helpful, mm-hmm. especially if it is surrounding the London area. What's the in your personal opinion? What's the live music scene like in Bristol? Great, as long as our music venues keep open. 
There right. is that. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. What I think. Th- I think sometimes people make a big song and dance, like a, you know, one minute you don't hear anything about a venue, and then the next minute everyone's like, "Oh my god, this venue's shutting down. We can't let this happen." And you're just kind of like, "Well, when was the last time you went there?" Um, yeah, or yeah. you know, we can't. We just we have to be going to shows. Mm-hmm. And it, that, that involves not just, you know, getting tickets and supporting the bands and the promoters, whether they're independent or they're major, <clears throat> but putting money behind the bars. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're sat in High Brazil at the moment, and for, I've always loved this venue when it was Start the Bus, and when it's High Brazil now, uh, it still does the exact same thing. But the, the, I've, I'm in here at nights, and there's like maybe four, six people in here mm-hmm. when there's a band on and it's it blows my mind it's a it's a it's a it's a free entry night come in and i remember when idols did a night here like this is probably eight years ago yeah, nine yeah. years ago and it was free entry and everyone just piled in and it was the you know the greatest thing ever you know you're not really going to be able to ever do that again so why not make those memories of these new bands it, that are coming it, into these type of venues and yeah it's enjoy an, it's it an it's interesting here. one that because when i was in bands and probably around about the same time you were, which was kind of late 90s, early noughties. Mm-hmm. And it was a time when I wasn't old enough to be in a licensed venue, but we didn't have to be, because the, we could, as a band, we could get a license to put on one-off shows. So it was all done, uh, we went to like the local village hall, mm-hmm. put on our own show, got the license that we needed, um, had a couple of mates bands playing and, and you know the entire crowd was like 14 15 16 year olds yeah and we had our parents there as you know chaperoning the whole thing yeah, yeah. um and then that changed so that you couldn't get those licenses anymore you had to go to licensed venues mm-hmm. which would have meant for us as when our, if our whole fan base is 16 17 mm-hmm. they're not going to get into licensed venues um, which meant that suddenly the culture had to change for going to going to gigs, going mm-hmm. to see live music. And I think it did for a time, mm-hmm. maybe. But do you think that hasn't progressed, that hasn't kept up, that there is a bit of a culture of kind of not just kind of going out and seeing what's on? That it's all, it's all about kind of, oh, wait a minute, I want to go to that gig by that touring band because I know who they are, rather than just saying, hey, yeah, let's, I think kinda, let's see what's I, yeah, on I th- at the I Louisiana think, I, tonight. I, I think people need to be a little bit more adventurous. Um, with the, I mean, if there's a gig on that you really want to go to, go to it. Mm-hmm. But if there's, if there's nothing on and you want to go out, like, go, go to a gig. Like, go see what is on. Or go to your favourite, like, base it on your favourite venue. There's a number of times like, I'll go to Louisiana just because I love the Louisiana, or I'll yeah. go to Crofter's Rights because I love Crofter's Rights, or I'll come to High Brazil because I love High Brazil, no matter what's on. Like, I'll, I'll go to one of those venues just because I know the atmosphere is going to be great. I might know some of the staff, um, and it's got this kind of great atmosphere, and then boom, I just see. I met, the first time I saw um, Tongues, who I've recently taken on and started working with, yep. was... I got dragged, it was, Go and Dogs were playing um, a venue in the centre, we finished, we all went out to celebrate and had drinks at Bristol Harbourside, mm-hmm. I think, Right. and there was this, I think that's what it's called, I think that, yeah, it must be, um, and we went in there and there was this band on stage and they blew me away, I've still got their poster up in my, my room back at home, 
um, and like didn't know they were on didn't know there was any music we just went in there because we were like this would be a nice place to go for a drink mm -hmm. and they blew me away and I've just followed them ever since and you know today now I'm working with them which I'm how often does that happen for, for me yeah that I'll go in and see a band that I like yeah like how, how often have you so come like, across a band that's blown you away oh that's everyone I work with okay I mean on, like, so on, we just say that you find one a year in that more than that okay that's like, loads way more than that okay that's I mean cool. there's like there's I mean it's not even with acts that I work with there'll be acts that I just kind of like come across on like recommendations or I, w I see a support band at a, a, a venue for the headline artists that I'm there to see and then I'll fall in over one of the supports um, I'll get invited somewhere to go for drinks at the show or, or BIM will have something on or uh, one of the promoters I work with be like you should come down to this night it's going to be really cool vibey and I'll go along and there'll be someone there that I'm just like oh my god these guys are amazing mm -hmm. I think the last band that got two of, two of the bands at the moment that have captured my attention because I was just at a, at a venue or at a show at the time was Beach Riot and Indigos okay and both of them blew me away yeah, and, I've like, and ever since then I've just been I've almost been like kind of stalkerish vibes just following them around <laughs> at every show being like I wonder what they're going to do next you know glued to their social media and you know and they're killing it and that's and that happens just from being out and again what I said earlier you've got to be networking you've just got mm -hmm. to be sociable in this job role and that's doing that as much as you physically can so out of the like some of the backs that maybe you're still working with who's who's kind of been on on the roster the longest um i would say that is three that's chloe foy who is smashing it right now will mcnichol who is a classical guitar player mm -hmm. and then of course lazy day who i recently got a tattoo in honor of Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a well thought out on your part. How long have you been working with them? Uh, Lazy, is, is, is Lazy, Lazy Day, I think I've been with maybe. Um, Lazy Day, I think, is actually only t maybe two to three years. Uh, Will McNichol, I've been with for maybe four, five years. Mm -hmm. And Chloe Foy, probably the same. So is there kind of a rough time scale that you're kind of expecting there from, is, from your part because obviously yeah there are different size there um, is agencies I mean, it, it, around it, it, it's difficult like to have an artist um and it, it, it's not necessarily their fault or our fault or anyone's fault mm -hmm. it's if there's an artist sat on our roster for like i don't know six seven years and they're just there's nothing and it's not pushing forwards either we're not the right fit for them or they're not the right fit for us or yep. they just don't want to be doing it anymore mm -hmm. um i had the um we had only girl who I used to love working with and I love booking her shows and putting her out there and it just hit her at the end of last year I think it was about December time she was like I don't want to do this anymore it's too stressful the anxiety is too much and it, you know she just yeah, yeah. she was like we've, we've got to Life cancel happens. you know we've got to cancel 2019 shows and that, you know that was gutting at the time and I was really you know I was upset about that and um, but she's amazing and that was the right thing for her to do so mm -hmm. that happens as well and it, it all depends on the circumstances, but I just don't think it's right for an artist just to be sat there doing nothing. No. So after a while, if there's no plan and you know if there's no full team around them, sometimes it's just it's good to call mm -hmm. it a day. We might not be right for them; they might want to pass on. So I don't think there's a there's a right amount of time or a wrong amount of time an act should be on any kind of roster, whether that's management, agency, label. Mm -hmm. 
but there always has to be progression. If there's progression and things are moving forward and they're only getting bigger and better, mm-hmm. then there's no reason to go anywhere. There's no, you know, yeah, yeah. that's that, that, that's, it's like any career. If you're still going up and up and up, months by months or year by year, everything's, everything's really good in my books. And what is the relationship between a, a band, an artist, and booking agent like? How does it work? I, I mean, think I think it depends where the agent comes in. So uh, I think a lot of the times the agent will, will always go through the manager. There will be some relationship with the band, but it won't. It's it's not going to be like holding hands down the street and having a giggle and pissing around, you know, and having a bit of a laugh with it, or as well as being, you know, finding the serious moments and being we need to get on with this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you know that and that a lot a lot of my relationships are kind of close with the managers we go through the managers the office go through them and we work together on you know building this band up and moving in the right direction mm-hmm. um, other times if I'm there before a manager and I come on and take a band that relationship grows yeah, and yeah. we become really close uh, I, I, that that goes for bands like you know Violet um, Lazy Day and anyone along those and along those kind of lines that we're, we're working direct with the artist with and that that's kind of nice and you know we I know exactly what they want and how they want to be treated and I know them as individuals and people mm-hmm. that you know then I know how to kind of book them and put them out and how to portray them in the pitches and you know the day before a show exactly how they like everything set out yeah, and, yeah. you know they're advancing and it's just it it's good to know them as individuals because at the end of the day I'm selling them on the live front and then they've got to go there to the show that I've just put them on for mm-hmm. and it's nice for them to arrive and be like this is cool you this has definitely been booked by someone that knows us Your company names changed. Yeah, now recently. the Empire Agency. Yep. So, how's how's that been? Kind of going from one level and kind of jumping. Fun. It's nice. It, it's great. Mm. It's nice just having support for a change. Working on your own for a yep. long period of time gets lonely and fairly depressing. And you know, I've had I've had my my days of being depressed and low and low self-esteem and the anxiety eats up and you question every day you good at it am I good at what am I doing am I doing something wrong mm-hmm. do people like me oh my god how do I look oh Jesus I'm going to this that that that's horrible and doing that for eight to ten years was really starting to eat away at me being part of a bigger team now where we get you know big agency conference calls every Tuesday mm-hmm. I can run things past people if I do lose an act to have like you know my boss or one of the other agents turn around and go hey look it's, it's the nature of the game it happens let's move mm-hmm. on let's that's really nice to have that support right now and you know also it's, it's kind of nice to hear someone say great job did they buy your company or was it a merger it was or a merger it was a merger yeah so from a business perspective how did that manifest how did that work from your from your side of things um, it was a lot of just tying up loose ends of the electric harmony, really. Um, there was there, there was loads of fiddly admin bits and um, notifying people, promoters. Uh, I mean, the first thing I did was notifying all the managers and uh, artists that I work with, mm-hmm. and tell them, explain to them what was happening, and reassuring people that hey, you're moving over as well. It's not a case of right, they've taken me on and you guys are all going now, goodbye. Yeah. Um, so it was, I, I think one of the first things that I had was to go around and you know set up talks with them. I think I had a meeting with most of the artists I represent or their mm-hmm. management 
um, just to sit down and explain why I was doing this and what this meant for everyone and what kind of doors it would open. Because how many, what, correct me if I'm wrong, were you booking worldwide for any of your acts before God, no, no, this? No. no. And I was, I was only doing UK and Europe at the time. And you're, you're still doing that, but now the company can effectively take your acts on on a global yeah, so basis? Yeah, at the moment I still book in UK and Europe, although I, I'm, I'm, now, I'm now looking to kind of spread that out, especially with the climate and how things are changing. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. With Bre- it's not interesting, it's sad. It's, it's a c- catastrophe, the Brexit <laughs> stuff. Um, yes. I'm not looking forward to that, and I'm actually doing a lot of reading and research on it. So, with that in mind, I'm, I'm looking to kind of you know, spread out as well. I'm already in talks about some South Asia dates, mm-hmm. um, dates in Russia. We have one of our artists going over to the States um, later this year, which I've been kind of a big part of with the team over there, which mm-hmm. is exciting. So I'm, I'm trying to expand slowly within my means, but not just focus on Europe, mm-hmm. but see what else. There, there, there's a lot out there that but, we can explore. But bef- before the, the Empire Agency mm-hmm. changeover, your roster was UK and Europe, yep. and those clients potentially had another agent looking after them in the States or somewhere else. Yeah, so my, ro- my, my roster was worldwide, mm-hmm. um, and still is. I represent artists from all around the globe. Um, yep. But I only ever booked in UK and Europe. And then, yeah, at times they might have someone in someone different in the States or Australia. or they. It, it, and it, has that aspect shifted around now that you're at a... Mu- you know, a large or with a larger company again I think it depends on the artist yeah yeah it, 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 it sometimes they want to stay within the same company worldwide mm-hmm. or in certain territories other times they want to try someone different in you know someone different from uh, who they have in the UK and Europe and use a different agency in the States so I think mm-hmm. it, it varies and it really comes down to how who's approached them what they want and what can be offered from the agency they're with against other agencies okay if that makes sense yeah 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 and when were you first, I guess, aware of Empire as an interested party? You know, how long were you chatting to them? We, we, we were on and off for a few years. Um, Dating. Yeah, we kind of just like <laughs> dipping our toe in the water every so often. And I did, I did a couple of bookings for them. Um, you know, how did the whole process It was It was work, great. They, they had an artist and... Um, they had a couple of artists that I booked for and I was helping them out and um, giving them contacts and they were, they were being great with me as well. Um, Zach, uh, who I work for, is, it was amazing and it, I kind of, at one point it just clicked and he was just, he, he just turned around and was like, look, let's get you over to the States, let's meet up, let's have you over for two weeks. Um, we can chat, I can introduce you to the team, you can mm-hmm. get a feeling for everything, we can have a talk through what you're doing, um, you can meet the other part of the company which is Regime and that, that was also great. Uh, and I was really looked after and I, I went over and I was incredibly nervous because A, I'd never been to the States and I was about to go meet a whole group of people yeah. and at the time it felt like, God, I'm throwing my eight years away now and I'm just starting again, here we go. And I went over and from day, from day one, the second I got off that plane I was collected, I just felt like, it felt like a family and I really really wanted to be a part of it and I still do um, and everything just clicked into place and it kind of so w- it went from there it was just it was it was almost perfect it was too perfect no, nothing's ever too perfect um, so from a day-to-day basis 
the changes have very much been kind of all forward thinking, all very, very positive, as in everything that you've been doing, you kind of carried on doing the same way. If anything, it got easier with the support network, with the added support network that you had. It, it, it did get hugely easier. And they, they, I mean, they, they, I've been able to travel a lot more and go around to a lot more shows than I ever could, um, attend a lot more conferences, which has been hugely beneficial mm -hmm. for me as well as the company. Um, and just having that support network has been great. They have the same ethos as me. Um, okay. You know, they care about the artists and they care about what they're doing. Um, and that's that's really, really important for me. It's not just kind of a, hey, these are our big guys, focus on these, and then we'll work out what we're doing with the other mm -hmm. ones. It's it, Everyone is, 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 is really cared for, and it, ha it does have that family feel, especially when I was in the offices there, and I, I, I just loved it, mm -hmm. um, to the point where I didn't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> where are the offices in the uh, States? LA. LA, which bit? Uh, in Agora Hills. Okay. Beautiful area, surrounded yeah. by mountains. And yeah, just perfect. It's quite a long way away though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've got Bristol. <laughs> Look at me now. Sunny slash rainy slash whatever Bristol. You didn't have to answer to anybody when you were working for yourself. Do you have to answer to do you have you have a boss? Oh yeah. Now. Yeah. So how's how's that? How's I love that it. change things. I love it. I hated being my own boss. I, every every everything I did, I'd feel every time I was enjoying myself that was non-work related, I'd feel guilty. Okay. Um, you know, every time I, I wasn't on my laptop or my phone or at a gig or a meeting, I felt guilty, and I had I had no one to talk to about my stresses and my worries, mm -hmm. and you know, new potential acts. I want. It was. I was. I mean. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it now, but I was super lonely and I was, you know, really depressed at the time. Right. Um, so when this all happened, it was exciting and it's great. I can every time I send an email or I pick up the phone or we have our Wednesday conference calls, it's it's really nice to have that to mm -hmm. to have someone to, or, you know, not just answer to, but just share everything with, mm -hmm. um, and be able to speak openly about things and know that my back, you know, my back has been covered. I have someone there that you know is, is supporting me twenty four seven. Okay. It was your company, and therefore the mistakes were yours. Mm -hmm. It was yours to carry on with as long as you wanted it to, or to stop it when you wanted. That's not the case anymore. You are employed by another yeah. company, so yeah. therefore, for whatever reason, if if they get bought out by somebody else, or, or you know that. Mm -hmm. When you were talking to them, and as I said, I've kind of put a gap in here because I might take this out. Sure. Do you have a safety net? Do you have I kind do. of things in, yeah. in your... So yeah, obviously, I'm not yeah. looking for specifics, I mean, this, but this, this is you, you've gone so from my, your, my, yeah. your business to being an employee yeah, of my, my, my safety net is my, is my roster and my clients. You know, these are people that I've brought on. If, if anything was to ever happen, touch wood that that never does um, I, I, I've got I own everything for Electric Harmony that's right. all still there I've kept it off the, I, but that's after I think after maybe a year two years I've only been doing this for eight months yeah, now, yeah I know exactly which is, which is very new for me so I know after when that 12, 12 month mark has passed and we're on to a year and a half two years that all go and I, I don't want that anymore but it's mm -hmm. just that's my safety net it's there and it's something for my clients you know hey we're moving you back onto here until I know where, where we're going to okay. there almost like a raft mm -hmm. um, 
No, but I'm it's not, just because it's I'm a big not, change. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not I, I'm kind of on the, the other thing you said, I'm not, I'm not worried. Like, having that, I still have the same thought process as I did and, and feelings as I did as if this was my own company. Like, I'm still very, I want, because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, these are my artists and the artists that Empire are giving me are artists that I'm, you know, it's my name alongside theirs. Mm-hmm. And I want to do everyone the best possible job I can mm-hmm. do. So it's not a sense like, oh, I can sit back now. It's not my business anymore. It's, it's, it's still very much, right, I'm part of this. I want this to be amazing. I want this to be great for yeah, everyone. Yeah. Because each one of these acts that I've, I've put my heart and soul into, as well as everyone else that's part of it. And I want to make sure that we keep pushing forward. Now I just have a bit of a support network where it's, it's made my life a bit easier, mm-hmm. um, as I've said. So, you know, there is a safety net there, but that, I'd be silly not to do that. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's more, that's more for my clients, in, yeah. more, more, more than me. Okay. I just want to make sure that everyone has got somewhere to go to if the worst case scenario happened, mm-hmm. um, which they do have. Uh, so that's, that's, for, that's more for them than it is me. Um, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I'll, I'll, I'll keep as, as irritating I can be, uh, as I can be. And, um, I, I, this is my life. I love this. I do it 24-7. I'm not yeah. going anywhere. Um, so I'll always be pushing forward somewhere or another. Hopefully. In the scope of working in and around live music, what is the thing that you want to have a play with over the next virtual reality. two to three to five years? Virtual reality and augmented reality. I'm yeah. very excited about where technology is going to push music. I think there's a lot of people scared about it and worried, but I'm, I'm really, I can't wait. I'm reading a load of books on kind of new technology and where we're going to be in the next 10 years and how VR and augmented are going there's to a push lot, the entertainment business There's a forward. lot of people saying, who are in and around live mm. entertainment, don't like VR and AR because 100%. of the fact that it takes away from what yeah. the live experience I got, is. I got, so it's interesting. I got pretty much hated on when we were fairly. I was fairly drunk. There, I think I was with. Uh, <laughs> we were in. We were in Mother's Ruin, and I think I was with a DJ. Um, somebody who works in press, a label, a music fan, and a promoter. And everyone just looked at me and I was like, I can't wait to see what happens in virtual reality and augmented. It really kicks off. It's going to be amazing. And no, it's going to ruin mu- live music. No one's going to go to gigs anymore. Not true. I, there's no way I would sit at home and watch a gig in VR or augmented. And I know probably 98% of people will agree on that. There's no better feeling than being at a live show, mm-hmm. having a beer or having a soft drink, watching that band that you love or watching that band that you've never seen before or heard of or just discovering some new music and that socialness and how, how it brings everyone together in that room. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, for that 45, 60, 70 minutes, nothing else matters but that what you're watching and witnessing on that stage. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, that nothing will ever replace that feeling. But bring in virtual reality or augmented reality and open that up to a scale of people who suffer from depression, anxiety, they can't handle crowds or loud spaces, but they get full control from their house. Or, you know, they've got a disability, they can't leave the house. Or they're in a hospital bed because they're bed bound. Mm-hmm. You know, anything like that, you can give those people like a whole new world to escape into. You know, taken away from that, that life that they're, they're stuck in or they can't get away from. Mm-hmm. Or that they just don't, they don't want to be at a show surrounded by that many people and just open it up so they can be in the comfort of their own home or be at home with friends and share that experience with them there. That's amazing. Mm-hmm.
From your perspective, with some of the acts that you're working with, who is going to be doing stuff in these last few months of 2019 that you're excited about that people might not know a lot about? Yeah. Who have you been booking tours for? Um, who should we be looking out for? This is who can I, I put links in sure. to for the, the episode by? This is, this is where I'm going to miss people out and I'm going to feel terrible when I listen back to it. Um, so I've got Lazy Day going out on tour. They're mm -hmm. going out to... Um, Europe for a few dates uh, for, for, for a week and then they come back uh, they're doing dates in Ireland uh, Scotland for Tenement Trail and then they've got some UK dates as well mm -hmm. um, I have Beach Riot out on tour I have Superglue out on tour No Violet are out on tour uh, on a co-headline tour with a Brighton band called Clip Drip mm -hmm. Uh, which, I'm, which I'm, I'm very excited about that one. I think it's going to be great. But they're not doing Bristol. Uh, we decided not to do a Bristol date for No Violet on this one. Okay. Which is gutting, but next year. Strategic. Yeah, we've got... Um, Femme is doing a residency starting from September. Right. Um, so she's playing in London once a week at Cafe 1001, mm -hmm. uh, which is which I'm really, really excited about. She just recently played Motion Lockyard series to close their summer season down, okay. which went very well. Um, I know I'm missing people. This is where I wish I had my laptop out. It's all right. It's fine. Oh, you didn't tongues, have to say all tongue, of them. Tongues are going out on tour. Yeah. Uh, their debut tour, and I'm super excited about that. London's uh, nearly sold out. Bristol's getting there, and they're doing Manchester and Brighton. Um, I'm really, really excited about that band. Tongues are tongues are big. Cool. Um, they're going to be huge, I think. Nice. And then there's, there's, there's other bits as well. I'm sure I've missed out. I know, I know I've missed out other tours there. But it's fine. That's kind of an insight. There's a lot going on. Yeah. I'm really sorry to anyone that I've missed out. <laughs> well, no. And now right. I've got to do oh, it. Oh, Tusks. My latest signing as well. Tusks is going out on tour. Right. Uh, in November. And she's finishing out Village Underground on 26th of November. I've just, just started working with that team. Okay. Um, and I'm super excited. Cool. Mm -hmm. When did that happen? Uh, that was like a couple of weeks ago. All right, so super, super new. Yeah, yeah, it's really new. And how does um, how I, do you I spell Tusks? Uh, how do you or, spell it? Yeah. T U S K S. Okay, so the standard yeah, way. Yeah. There's not yeah. like a silent no, V no, no, or no, anything no, no, like that. No, nothing, nothing, nothing <laughs> strange. And then what's coming up kind of Q1, Q2 of 2020? Nothing that I can show here. That you're. That you're, the bands that you're excited about working with, whatever that may be, it's not necessarily specifically, you know, what have you done, but there are going to be bands out there that have got stuff online mm -hmm. that you know you're working with, that you can I am, potentially yeah, say stuff I, I, about. I mean, Lazy Habits, I, they've taken this whole year out to do their third album. I'm really excited about 2020 with them because they're going to be dropping their third album, mm -hmm. um, probably in Q3, I think. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I've missed those guys. I mean, you know, they're always out. They've always been really busy. But this year, they did the sensible option of going, "Hey, we're just going to take this year, do this album, mm -hmm. um, and make this one of our biggest albums." Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm super excited about that. I have a lot of acts that are dropping their debut albums next year. Right. Um, so that's going to be really big for them. I can't mention which ones. Lazy Habits have made everyone aware that that's what they're doing. So right. I can talk about that one. Um, where Chloe Foy is just going strength to strength. She is also on tour. 
in 2019 at the end of the year <laughs> with Jessica Hoop. Oh, this is going to be a... Oh, Jessica Hoop. Yeah, and nice. she's also, uh, we've just announced her, she's going on her uh, debut tour in the United States in cool. November, November, I think, with Jessica Hoop as well. Nice. So that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chloe this year has just been going from strength to strength and I'm really excited for 2020 to see where that goes with her. Um, she's absolutely killing it. Big, big on the, uh, for anyone that's fans of folk music, indie mm-hmm. folk. Um, and then Lazy Day as well. They've had a massive year in 2019. So I think 2020 is going to be big for them. Yeah, it's yeah. going to open up a lot of doors. So there's plenty, uh, there's, there's, plenty there's, out there. There's, 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 there's loads. There's, 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 a, there's in. a new act that I'm desperately trying to sign and I'm hoping I'll have them for 2020. I can't really go into who, but if I, if I get them, I'll be hugely excited for what next year brings to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but every, everyone that I work with, every year there's something new. Every, every year there's always new releases and there's new things that these bands are doing. And, and I, I can't wait to awesome. get back into it. Yeah, after the after lull the of the break. summer. Yeah, <laughs> the summer festivals now. <laughs> cool, that'll do you. Thanks very much for having yeah. me again. Nice. Yeah. Massive thank you to Rob for spending two separate sessions with me talking about the live industry i personally love talking to those in the in the live industry as i said it's an area of least knowledge on my part so i always come away with from those conversations learn having learnt a bunch of new things if you're interested in learning a bit more about the empire agency about their roster go to their website www empireagency.com and if you want to know more specifically about what Rob is up to and some of the tours that he's booking for his particular clients you can follow him on Instagram at Robbie that's Robbie with an IE at Robbie McGee you can also find me via the podcast on Instagram at behind the business pod you can email me on the email address behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com and you can find me on Twitter every now and again chatting or ranting about something or other at Danny Champion. There are a few more episodes left in 2019 uh, so check back every Tuesday. Do let others know who you think might enjoy this podcast. Um, as I record this I've just passed 10,000 listens so massive 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 thank you to everybody who's listened to everybody who's given me some of their time to chat for the podcast and also any of you that have told somebody else just one other person about the podcast Uh, that means a great deal I've got loads and loads of ideas for 2020 so hopefully I will definitely be able to keep this on because it's a lot of fun it's a lot of work but it is a lot of fun so i would love to carry on doing it but until then until next week or maybe until immediately after this if you're listening to some of the the episodes backdated thank you very much and you'll hear from me again soon